The Crowded Room is a new psychological thriller on Apple TV which began airing Friday, June 9th. It's based on a non-fiction novel, The Minds of Billy Milligan, by author Daniel Keyes. On this podcast, we like to discuss the most recent installments of a different series every show. Today, we're talking about the first three episodes titled Exodus, Sanctuary, and Murder. It's Monday, June 12th, and you're listening to today's episode. At this point, it seems like Apple has decided it wants to make either light shows or dark shows. You've got your Blackbirds or your After Parties. You've got Pachinko versus Platonic. You got Silos versus Lassos. You got Shining Girls versus Schmigadoons. Now, which camp do you think the crowded room falls into? Probably the dark shows, right? Yeah, absolutely. But how did you know that? Given that you didn't watch it. (laughs) It's based off of someone that did like rape, murder, armed robbery, all kinds of different terrible stuff. Yeah, but we're not supposed to know that as an audience member quite yet. So we've got these first three episodes where by the end of the third one, you have certain uh, revelations that you're supposed to come to. But if you've been watching carefully, we can probably pick up on those much, much earlier. So before we jump into that, though, it must be said, because this is an Apple series, you've got that sleek, detailed, high production value project with a big name attached. You've got short seasons with premium music. And of course, the crowded room incorporates all of that. However, Apple is also known for some less typical but still common stuff that it does, which the Crowded Room also has. For instance, it takes place in New York City, just like City on Fire, Shining Girls, Dear Edward, Little Voice. I just stopped writing them at at a certain point. The main character is a kid with a floppy haircut, just like City on Fire, The Big Door Prize, Dear Edward. The main character is overwhelmingly depressed because one of their relatives has died. Lizzie's story, Severance, Shrinking. The main character is depressed because the relative that died happened to be their dead brother, the big door prize, (laughs) dear Edward. And the main character is depressed because that relative that died that was their dead brother was also their twin, the big door prize, as well as the crowded room. So yes, it likes to borrow from itself. Apple does. But now we can probably veer over into the actual show. I hadn't actually watched the trailer to it, so I didn't know anything about it. I have since watched the trailer, and I now know that it was brought to us by the minds of the beautiful mind. Yep, a beautiful mind. Which would have been very helpful going in if I wanted to get stuff ruined for me. But not only a beautiful mind, you also have I, Robot, I Am Legend, and Batman and Robin. The same person who wrote A Beautiful Mind also wrote Batman and Robin. That was astounding to me. Yeah, that is strange. But I also wanted to touch upon... You said this takes place in New York, right? Uh Uh-huh. That part is actually completely fabricated. It was really around the Columbus area. And also the year was... Again, it's because it's Apple TV, though. They have to move it to... No, I'm kidding. But, like, sort of not. Well, because of, like, that's where you were saying a lot of them take place. But also the summer of 1979, that time era. That actually wasn't the era either. It was 1977. It was a couple years earlier Well, they do go into 1977. Okay. But that's only in once he starts explaining where he met some of these character let's let's jump into the show okay okay so episode one is called exodus which made me think maybe episode two would be called leviticus no but episode one introduces us to danny sullivan aka spider holland right he's an artist he's a runaway and now he's a teenage boy even though he is how old 
He's like 27 in real life. But he's got a big old wig on to make him look younger, right? Well, that actually was like a huge point of controversy. People were pointing out. The wig was a controversy? Not the wig, but how can Tom Holland be 27 and Emmy Rossum, who plays his mom. Nine nine years older, right? Only nine years older. Emmy Rossum is too young to play a mom. She'll always be too young. Like, having watched her grow up and shameless, I just still can't see her as anything but like a big sister. Well, she even commented upon that criticism and said that the actual Candy was pregnant when she was. 16 yeah so still like you can kind of see how they were both like young at that point Mm -hmm. but still nine years older yeah the thing uh, it's interesting because in blackbird um they also had sort of a younger mom and sort of in a similar situation where the main character was kind of raised by someone with an abusive stepfather and the mom was sort of a victim where he wanted to save his mom but whenever they did those backflashes the kid was way younger in this you literally had tom holland in a wig going up to his mom asking for like a breakfast and she's just chain smoking and you're like is she really your mom like it just doesn't make sense but we meet, we meet Danny Sullivan, and because this is New York, what is the first shot? Okay, I'll give you three options. It's either a car horn uh, in Times Square, like you hear a car mm-hmm. horn, yeah. a barking dog in Central Park, or squeaky brakes on a subway. What do you think we get? Uh, I'm going to go with squeaky brakes on a subway. Squeaky brakes is it. Yeah, ding, ding, <laughs> ding. So they're on a subway. It's Danny and Ariana. And remember what I said about the big door prize and how you had the floppy-haired dude in that? Mm-hmm. Well, his girlfriend in that looks a lot like Ariana, who's played by DeJuliet Amara in the big door prize. But it's not. It's not her. It's, it's actually the girl from Utopia. But yeah. I only got that about halfway through the episode. So Sasha Lane, and she's been in other things, right? Yeah, she was in Loki as well. Mm, okay. Uh, but yeah, yeah. So they're on the subway together. They get off the subway. They seem a little nervous, but you can immediately tell that it's not the present because of what they're wearing. Everybody's got bell-bottom jeans on. There are old cars <laughs> going around. Frank Sinatra and Muddy Waters are promoted on Radio City Music Hall as playing right then. You've got a poster in the background that says Sha Na Na, The Beach Boys, Ella Fitzgerald, Ray Charles, ABBA, and it gives the schedule for them. So I'm able to calculate that it is May of 1979, which makes it a little strange because it can get kind of muggy around that time period for everybody to be wearing jeans. So maybe they, I don't know. It seems like by the amount of detail, by it being 1979, it was almost beating you over the head with it. No, I actually, I like the New York stuff the most because of how well done it was. The last show that we did to kind of take into account the 19, early 1980s or late 70s was um, Russian Doll season two. And Netflix just doesn't have the same budget that these mm-hmm. Apple shows get, so it's not as cool looking. But this was this was cool because not only was it New York, but it was like prime central New York. They get off at the Rockefeller Center 49th Street station, right? Yeah. And so they walk right out up there and they immediately spot the guy that they're going to follow, right? Yes. And we don't know who this is yet, but they're following this guy who gets out of the OTB, which is the off-track betting building. And they're walking past Rockefeller Center. And of course, the ice ring isn't there. And it's been converted into a patio because this is summer. And Danny takes out a gun from a paper bag that he's been holding. He takes out a gun in the middle of the street? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's broad daylight. There are tons of people around. And Ariana turns to him and says, thank you. Thank you for doing this. And so he runs He runs up to the guy. He shouts at him. The guy turns around, and he can't do it. He can't shoot the guy. And that's where Ariana starts yelling. He's like, shoot him, Danny. Shoot him. And so she then takes the gun from him and starts to shoot. And she wings the guy in the shoulder, and the guy starts taking off. And then she, like, keeps rifling off shots until the gun isn't loaded anymore. She throws the gun up. Danny picks it up and runs the other direction, right? Yeah. The next scene we see, which is just, like, a quick 
forward flash is Danny and this old guy named Yitzhak who hands him a passport and says, go find your father and I'll worry about Ariana or something like that. And then we get another flash forward where Danny is being arrested outside the same house where he just got the passport. So we don't know anything. It's like trying to do Christopher Nolan or even like Tarantino time jumps all within the span of, what would you say, maybe 10 minutes? Maybe even less than that. Yeah, it's all just introduction to why he's in jail or what we think is jail and why the police are after him or why they're about to interrogate him. Enter Mariah. And Mariah is played by Amanda Seyfried from The Dropout, right? Okay, yeah, here I have Raya Goodwin. And I actually, her character... I think she was called Mariah at some point by Maddie Dunn, who is her, like, husband slash other police officer working the case. It would make sense, Mariah. Raya, she's actually not real. That character completely made up. Akiva Goldman, the person who created this show and A Beautiful Mind and all that other stuff, Mm -hmm. said that he based that character on his mother, Myra Rothenberg, a renowned child psychologist. Yes, and she is a psychologist like a psychoanalyst she's there to tell if he is a serial killer mm-hmm. and the weird thing is we only see him like uh in that one girl shoot at some people right yeah. so why would they suddenly make the leap we're missing something clearly right yes and so her job is to be an investigator interrogator psychoanalyst she goes into this room with him and for the bulk of the next three episodes you see them just talking to one another across the table in this kind of like it doesn't even look like a prison room it looks more like he's dressed like He's been in a shrink building. Like, I know. I know what you're talking about. They always showed shots of like the two of them whenever there was articles for this show or anything yeah, like that. The, yeah. the thing is he's wearing a sweater and then also he has pads on his feet. It just seems like it's a lot. It, it, it's like part of me thinks that this isn't a jail. But he starts to go into his full story, which starts two years earlier because he's supposed to explain how he knows Ariana and Yitzhak, right? Mm-hmm. So he's in high school two years earlier, 1977, and he goes through kind of the typical high school drama that you'd expect. He's got his friends, Johnny, the skinny guy who loves magic, sells drugs. You got Mike, the popular guy who throws parties in his backyard. You got his crush, who's Annabelle Stone kind of the love interest that it goes through all three episodes. You've got Eden, who is the best friend of Annabelle, but treats um, Danny like a jerk. And uh, then you've also got his bully named Billy, who's like the jock, right? So it seems like you have all the stereotypes for any type of high school movie. That's what we're saying, yeah. Then you've also got his abusive stepfather, Marlon, and it's implied that Marlon is responsible for Danny's twin brother's Adam's death. Okay? Okay. Does that make sense? And then Emmy Rossum, obviously, playing Candy. It's just so weird to see 27-year-old Holland uh, playing a timid 16-year-old to his, (laughs) what, 30-some-year-old mom. Well, yeah, because even in the Spider-Man movies, as of now, he's, Uh like, going into college. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're back to talking about just Tom Holland. All right. I was I thought Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. I, I got lost for a second because, yeah, there's a lot of Spider-Man movies out there. That's actually his favorite one, though. Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. That is actually the safest answer you can give because then you don't have to pick a camp for the previous two Spider-Mans and you can just no one can disagree with you. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. All right. It's a practice answer. Anyways, he's in high school. He's hanging out with his friends and he wants to impress the girl, Annabelle. Right. So what does he, he do? What, what would you do? Uh, is this at like a party or something? Uh, this is after the party. Like he was, he was at the party, and then he, they kind of talked about getting high at some point. So what he enlists Johnny and Mike to do is they all head over to a shady park in the middle of the night to a drug dealer named Angelo, and they buy some drugs from him. Oh, so cool. Well, Angelo isn't depicted as the nicest of dudes. He takes a knife and he like sticks it near Danny's throat, and but they still make the deal happen, and that's how he gets a bunch of weed. 
And then his friend Johnny decides that he will be able to sell to everybody at school, which he then does. Johnny and Mike are a huge support system to Danny. Uh-huh, okay. Uh-huh. Like a huge support system to him. So when he's at school and he starts saying, well, I've got my weed now so we can hang out, Annabelle. And then he says it so loudly that Annabelle's friend Eden hears and also the jock bully finds out. Then the jock bully and Eden both tell on uh, Danny and say that his locker should be looked at, right? I thought that the jock bully was going to steal his weed, but no, they actually did the logical thing and told someone. Well, no, they were like, oh, Danny's going to brag about it being in his locker. Well, we'll just send the principal out to like go check his locker. And that's exactly what happens. And as a audience member, you don't see anything but from Danny's perspective. And so as the locker's opening, you feel like really bad for him, but then the weed's gone. And apparently his friends had heard about what was going down and they took the weed out right <laughs> beforehand. And so Johnny and Mike become like the coolest dudes in the entire world for me and i'm like this is an awesome scene and it feels like everything is going well in danny's life because he asks annabelle out and they go hang out near a swing and then they kiss and uh and then billy gets suspended because of his false lead and uh and and like everything seems to be going well mm-hmm. Next day happens, he draws a little picture for Annabelle because he loves his painting. And uh, Eden walks up and breaks up with, or dumps him, basically, for Annabelle. The weed falls on the floor because he put weed in the picture thing. And the principal immediately sees it. The stepdad finds out that the money that they used to get the weed was actually his like, he didn't know about the weed, obviously, but he calls the house and he's like, where's my money? To, to the wife, right. to Candy. Yeah. Um, and then Billy, who was suspended, gets all his bully friends together and they go to beat up Danny. Now, next to where Danny lives is this house called the Ghost House. Mm-hmm. All right. And in the Ghost House, someone has moved in recently. That's Yitzhak, the guy from the first scene. Right. Yep. And in the middle of getting beat up by Billy and his squad... He, uh, Yitzhak like grabs the guy's fist as he's about to punch Danny and just starts beating up all the bullies until they run away. He saves Danny's life, right? Okay, yeah. And Danny goes to live at that ghost house. Wait, that's where he's going to live for the next yes, couple he, episodes? because he doesn't want to live with his stepfather anymore. And yes, he feels bad for his mom, but he's like, I'm going to be safe here. I'd rather live here. So his parents just kind of let him go. And that's where he also meets Ariana, who's already living at the ghost house. And that's where sort of episode one ends. Uh, Danny has decided to kind of quit school, live at this random house, and episode two and three take us through sort of that relationship with each of, each of them, yeah. I do find it funny that Danny Sullivan is based off of Billy Milligan, as we've talked about, but they named the bully in this show Billy as well. Right? Yeah. I wonder if they're trying to say something there. Also, yeah. this story has tried to be adapted so many times. Even having people like James Cameron, Joel Schumacher, and David Fincher okay. like try and direct a film. And Leonardo DiCaprio actually was trying to play uh, Billy Milligan wow. for 20 years. And then I think... Like, like in 2021, out of it. yeah, in 2021, they were just like, you know what, let's just make it a TV show. Mm-hmm. And then Leonardo DiCaprio, okay, I feel bad for him because, again, he had wanted to be playing this character for so long. I was surprised he didn't have anything like a producing credit or something like that. Yeah, this is probably a good time to say. So as soon as I'm starting to write my notes for um, the first episode, I'm like looking at the name of the title, The Crowded Room, and I'm like, okay. And then I see the name of the title of the book in the minds of Billy Milligan. And uh, then I start thinking about like what I've just watched. And that's where the click happens for me, which they kind of reveal at the end of episode three. But for anybody who hasn't really felt like they uh, understand the show quite yet, you might want to pause it now if you don't want to get that ruined for you. Because at this point, I realize 
we're dealing with a super unreliable narrator, right? Mm -hmm. We got a Doom Patrol, Mr. Robot, Beautiful Mind. This was before I knew that the Beautiful Mind people were involved. <laughs> uh, Good Night Mommy, Identity, Moon Knight Situation. Yitzhak, fake. Ariana, probably fake. Mike and Johnny, I'm pretty sure they're fake. <laughs> Kevin Crumb, yeah. the main character in M. Night Shyamalan's movie, played by James McAvoy, was based on Billy Milligan. James James McAvoy nearly quotes him in different parts of mm. that movie as yes. well. Yeah, the problem with the show, though, is that the next two episodes take so long to deliver a message that once you kind of figure it out is so clear. <laughs> like, they keep on using quotes that are dead giveaways. Like, where did they go <laughs> when, <laughs> when they're talking about Yitzhak and Ariana? Mm -hmm. Or is it possible you did things you don't remember? This is when uh, Amanda Seyfried or um, uh, Mariah is talking to Danny. Uh, what are you not telling yourself? You assaulted someone when clearly in the show, Johnny was the one who assaulted someone. Yeah. So, for instance, uh, this was when um, the drug dealer uh, was about to give the gun over and he wanted a blowjob in return. And Johnny feels really awkward about it. So he starts to leave and Danny's like, uh, OK, I'll do it. But then Johnny comes back and hits him, uh, hits the drug dealer, Angela, over the head. Uh huh. Yeah. So just just in the nick of time to save him. So all these like personalities around Danny come to his defense at just the time when he needs them. And they even say that about Ariana, like she was crafted for him almost. And then there's uh, there are things that Danny hears that no one else hears. So you can kind of tell who's real because Annabelle, when they're hanging out and she's fr freaking out because Angelo has shown up at the place to get revenge for being hit on the head, right? Mm -hmm. She she's uh, Angelo finds her and he starts dragging her out. But then Yitzhak comes out of nowhere and starts beating up Angelo, and then she looks at Danny and she's like, when he's like, it's okay, we're all good. She just screams and runs out of the room, and it's like, well, obviously that was because he just did that. Yeah, okay. Yeah? That makes or, sense. Or when, like, Angelo is walking, he's like, and, and uh, Johnny and Danny are whispering to one another, one another, he's like, stop that weird whispering. And he's like, that, that's because he was whispering to himself. <laughs> At one point when Danny invited Annabelle, this is when they get back together because in the future she goes to college, and then she comes back into town. She apologizes to Danny for how she treated him in the first episode. And, uh, and so she goes to the ghost house where um, he says he's throwing a party and Mike and Johnny are there getting high, right? Mm -hmm. And so is uh, Ariana, but obviously she just sees him. And so she's like, you said it was a party question mark and she brought a ton of people with her. So, so it makes sense why all the dialogue is happening and they're doing it in a cool way. But again, once you have that twist kind of ruined for you, it's it's kind of boring. The first two episodes were made by someone who's done a lot of stage work. So I think when you're talking about how it's taking so long to get to a point, mm -hmm. that's kind of what uh, Cornell Montcrusco, that's the name of the person who directed the first two episodes, is kind of used to. Yeah. And maybe it didn't transfer well when it was done. It wasn't that it didn't transfer well. It's just that they, they have to depend on the fact that the audience isn't aware of what's happening. But mm -hmm. in the trailer, they give away that this is brought to you by a beautiful mind. And Johnny is just like the best friend character from a beautiful mind ah, okay. so it's it's you see you see the connections too obviously by the end it is cool to see new york and uh times square zigfield theater when that was open they go see rocky too at it ariana and uh danny when they're um kind of bonding but when you keep jumping back to the interview where he's by the end of the third episode she's confronting him with basically like why would ariana have been molested because that's why he, they go off to kill the person in New York mm, okay. is because that was the person who molested her happened to be your stepfather. Because that's the reveal was that it was the stepdad who had molested Adam 
the brother who we've not, he's, he's been very cagey about talking about. He hasn't wanted to. Part of me thinks he might not even have a brother in that, like, that was his first split in personality. So Mr. Robot, basically. Yes, but Mr. Robot was more when Yitzhak appeared and he was taking the beating for him and then he started, like, punching the guys. But it, with Adam, it might be more like a goodnight mommy scenario where maybe the brother at one point existed and now he's seen him in a different way. Or if he might be Adam himself and the first split might be Danny. And so just like huh. with in Split, that movie, or also in Moon Knight, the main character that we're getting is actually one of the split personalities and not the original. Okay, that that's an interesting And also situation. in Doom Patrol, because that wasn't the original either. So overall, what would you give the first three episodes? Uh, I'm just going to give it a 6 out of 10. Oh, so it, it passes. It, it passes, but only because of all the stuff that Apple is known for, because it's a high production quality show that probably is like better than most, because I consider like just average of five, like right in the middle. But but I wouldn't watch this show because it feels like you already know what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. So the show is going to be 10 episodes and they did shoot in New York City. And as you were saying, including NBC Studios at Rockefeller Center, shooting was for six months uh, for like 130 days in a row during COVID. <laughs> but the reception has kind of echoed what you were saying. And it's kind of basically negative reviews, though. 6.8 on IMDb. 27% on Rotten Tomatoes. CNN. I was going to give it a 5 for so long, but then I was like, it is it is better than most. Well, right? the interesting thing is the audience score for Rotten Tomatoes is a 94%. Hmm. So it's incredibly high for the audience score, but even, even as of like three days ago, at Rotten Tomatoes, it had an 8% for a little while. Mm -hmm. And CNN wrote, the crowded room takes so long to reach its ultimate destination, it's hard to imagine much of a crowd remaining when the 10-episode show finally gets there. And it is, it is neat, though, when you're watching it and you're like, oh, I'm picking up on why certain things are the way they are. Like Mike and Johnny, they never go to college. They never have mm -hmm. girlfriends. They always seem to have to show up in the nick of time and know his schedule better than he does. Ariana always is a night owl. And though she does hang out with Danny a lot, she's awake when he's asleep. And at one point, Annabelle, um, like he loses that memory. So yeah. he's obviously acting as her in a weird way. But maybe she out of all the people that could be a, like real, she might be she might just be another crazy person that he stumbled upon. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I doubt it. That's I'm basing that off a one throwaway line where um, the one of the police officers says she meets the description of some character. So she may be... They, they also float the idea that all of the people that he's imagining are victims. Yeah. So maybe he's embraced the people he's killed, which would be very strange and very dark. But I don't know. Billy Milligan, actually, there was a documentary about him that came out in 2021 on Netflix mm -hmm. that kind of dove into his personal life. So yeah. I think that maybe because also the actual Billy Milligan has been known to uh, comment on his own notoriety. The book, The Minds of Billy Milligan, yeah. he helped write. Okay. <laughs> they got Daniel Keyes, the person who was the author for that, actually spoke to Milli Billy Milligan a lot. Yeah, well, I mean, that's sort of the basis of what this show is, is that he's being pretty open about what he believes. And clearly what they're trying to say is that Danny, if he did all these things, didn't do it under his his like point of view. But like other parts of him are very dark and should never be allowed into society. <laughs> the New York Post wrote that it paled in comparison to things like Mindhunter yeah. and Sharp Objects. I agree. Those were the two that they were talking about. Mindhunter was a trip, and that is definitely... It, it feels uh, scarier than this does. This feels like it's it's treating it with a little bit of kids' gloves for you. The but maybe it's just because it's, it hasn't gone to the dirty stuff. Like, there is flash cuts, too, where, like, you see bodies underneath a... Um, like, in a basement... That 
that's dripping, and I think one of them was Yitzhak's body. Um, but Ariana sees that and not him. I yeah, don't know. no, no. I, but what you're saying there actually makes sense because the Wall Street Journal titled their review in a positive review saying that the advice here about the crowded room is to persist. They said, yes, the first few episodes are very slow. But once you get to like, I think the later on in the seasons, really like the finale. And once they've like given that, away the big twist and you're basically just on the path of are they going to catch or what happened to these people that have disappeared? Then, yeah, maybe it gets more interesting. Yeah, I did think that it was. Uh, cool how like the opening was painting because he loves to paint so much mm-hmm. and uh, and it's very similar to City on Fire where the girl who gets shot in that episode is an artist who loves to do different stuff and, and that, that makes it into the intro and so it's very similar to that and the music in the background sounds a lot like Fringe that um, the intro music does um, which which I found cool they have Bill Withers and they have Meatloaf and if or like the soundtrack and stuff <laughs> so it's Apple's music and so they've they've always been good at that. I we will end this with a game. It's three truths, one lie. Okay. One thing that just stood out to me was the cast, the amount of like famous people they were just able to get for this thing, hmm. and also not only that, but how many people are actually in that cast going to be working for like big sequels, big sequels that are coming out. Yeah. So I want to see if you can guess the one that's fake. Um, and I think you'll understand more what I'm saying when we actually get to the game. So Leo Raz, that's the person who played Yitzhak Safdie, is going to be in Gladiator. Two coming out in 2024. The second one is Sasha Lane, Ariana, will be starring in Twisters, a sequel to the 1996 film Twister, I think also scheduled for 2024. The third one is Akiva Goldsman, the creator, is currently writing a sequel to Constantine with Keanu Reeves attached by to return. And then the fourth one is Emmy Rossum, Candy, is set to star in the fifth Matrix film, The Matrix Infinite Reality, to be released in 2025. Only one of these is fake, and you have to guess which one. Wow. I didn't know they were going to make another Matrix movie, but the Twisters one felt fake for the longest time. Oh, wow. And those are probably both real. Uh, I will go ahead and say that the new Matrix one, because I haven't heard anything about a new Matrix. You were right. I thought that I thought the Constantine one was going to get you because we were just talking about that actually a couple days ago. But yeah, that's what made me think it was real. (laughs) Honestly, I thought maybe you'd done the research already. (laughs) There was. Yeah, there's no Matrix film coming out. But all the other ones, Gladiator 2, Twisters, Constantine, all like over 20 years ago at this point. That that surprised me a lot. It was interesting how like the universe bomber died a couple days ago and that's what when i was watching this and then i realized oh this guy is probably a serial killer i thought oh blake masters really thought that uh the unabomber was an underrated subversive thinker (laughs) so there's probably people who are like billy milligan fans out there which is very strange all right well thanks for listening we'll see you on the next episode bye bye